Hello and welcome back to Turf Talk. My name's Lewis Tomlinson. As per usual, I'm joined by the big man, James Watson. It's Irish Champions Weekend. It's a St. Ledger meeting. And there's a lot to talk about away from the track. We might be in this for the long haul today, Jim. Certainly. And you've mentioned the two main meetings. But let's not forget where Communique is going this, this weekend. He's on his holidays and he's going to Baden-Baden to run in the Group 1. <laughs> oh, I mean, it it should be could be winnable. They're, they're still trying Barney Roy. Yeah. Over that trip, going about as well as trying Kim Kinross over a mile. Uh, <laughs> but we'll leave that one for another day. Reviewing last weekend, Jim. Uh, I guess the two European group ones are the places to start the Sprint Cup. Neither of us were particularly keen on Dream of Dreams. Well, at the prices, I think that would be fair to say, was that we felt he was a little bit too short of a price, rather than we didn't think he was capable of winning the race. Uh, very impressive, though, and there's no reason why he shouldn't follow up on Champions Day. Correct. Um, very, very good performance by Dream of Dreams, and he's finally got his Group 1 day in the sun, and... Did it decisively in the end. Uh, some slightly disappointing runs in behind. Uh, however, you can't take that away from Dream of Dreams. He's uh, been the model of consistency in these sorts of races in the last couple of years. And that that was the reason why I purely wanted to take him on, because I've seen him be beaten in races like this too many times. And he's proved us all wrong. And he's come back better than ever at the age of six and... Like you said, you, you won't rule him out of bouncing, uh, doing a double to win the uh, Champions Weekend. Yeah, really, really good job done by Sir Michael Stout with Dream of Dreams. He's better than ever at the age of 60, Gelding Operation. Has probably actually got a couple more pounds worth of improvement out of him. And good to see him get his first Group 1. The Prix de Moulin, Jim, the most fascinating race of the season in my opinion from a tactical point of view Persian King coming home ahead of a rapidly finishing Pinatubo I mean just what a what an apps there's so much to dissect from an from an analytical point of view just a brilliant spectacle I wouldn't have been with Persian King at the start Jim it was quite well supported on the day though and just a masterclass from Budo yeah each perfect ride from PCB and um, Circus Maximus and him went along out in front and Pinatubu was slightly a bit further behind than I was expecting uh, I was expecting him to be in Siskin's position and Siskin to be in Pinatubu's position um, and the sectional show that Pinatubu absolutely rattled home um, and Persian King stole the race and uh, the race was done with a furlong to go because he stole so many lengths on the field Um as you said, really, really fascinating to see because I going into his three-year-old season, I wasn't the biggest fan of Pinatubu. But now I slightly have a bit more admiration for him and because I think he doesn't get the respect he deserves. Um, and them sectionals show that the speed that that horse has is unreal. And stepping back down to six, and I know that people say probably seven is probably his best, but I'd love to see him at six. Um, 
Um, probably even at five. That'd be that'd be fascinating. Five might be pushing it a bit, but six down to six furlongs. That finishing speed that he had was unreal. Uh, and ten out of ten for the ride on Persian King. Uh, I don't think you can fault Doyle on Pinatubu. Uh, I, I think that's just the way race went. If he probably ride it again differently, he certainly would, wouldn't he? Because he finished second. Uh, disappointing from Siskin. Just he's he's showed a bit of his two-year-old tendency when he was just playing playing around down at the start. Uh, just seemed to be a bit off, um, or maybe he's just not as good as what we maybe first thought. And Circus Maximus ran his race like he always does. Yeah, I'd agree with you about Doyle. I thought that was the most tactically uh, fascinating thing. But and I think whilst the execution may not have uh, been delivered uh, to the result that they'd have wanted, I felt it was the it was the right the right plan. Yeah, you know, Pinatubo getting beat finishing fast over a, over a mile when. Arguably, he had looked weak-ish at the finish. Certainly not as strong as others uh, previously this season. Especially given that it was Persian King and Circus Maximus, who we know both stay further out in front of him. If Pinatubo was to finish second, having tried to go with Persian King and then tired out, that would have been a much more brain-dead ride than what Doyle gave Pinatubo in, in reality. Knowing now what we've learnt about Pinatubo, maybe he is just a much, you know, a much stronger stayer than we thought, and maybe he's, you know, a very very reasonable contender to win another Group One this season. I think I think some of the reaction has been absolutely mad, mate. If I'm honest, absolutely mad, because I've seen I've seen people, you know, decide that this after this run is the time to. Time to desert Pinatubo. If you were on the fence about Pinatubo before uh, before Sunday, how would you have decided after watching the Mulan that that was the race to actually fall to the negative side on? Surely yeah. it was his best run of the season. Yeah, in my opinion, it was definitely. I don't I don't see how it could have been anything other than that. What that showed is that there is still a top class racehorse capable of winning Group Ones. And I know people... Look, Pinatubo is a horse who I guess at points it has become fashionable to slag off. I did last week. I called him the worst favourite I've ever seen last week. Yeah. And he was at even money. Jesus Christ, it was a woeful price. Uh, but that's not me saying that I don't think Pinatubo is capable of winning group ones. And some people have decided to write him off after a performance that said to me... Yes, this horse can definitely win group ones. On another day, he would already have had one. Mm. You know, and if... Look, if you were to price the horses that ran in the Mulan up again, Pinatubo would be clear fav. Yeah, definitely. Off the back of that. Clear fav to beat Persian King. Uh, Circus Maximus, look, couldn't, couldn't go with Persian King, which I guess... I guess we've we've not I've not quite talked about the French horse, but that's testament to how how well he ran that. Circus Maximus just wasn't able to uh, to keep up with him into the straight. We know how much of a grafter and how much of a dogged uh, sort he is. So the fact that he managed to have him beaten off that early, to me, suggest you know it's it, it illustrates how well 
the winner the winner went. I mean, obviously he's, he's won a Group One in probably the strongest uh, mile race we've seen all season. So it's it's not like it was got to be a bad effort. Uh, Siskin don't know what to make of him now. Disappointed. I thought he'd win. Uh, in hindsight, has he won a? Has he ever won a Great Group One? Hmm. Did he flatter to deceive a little bit in the Sussex? Didn't quite go through with a finishing effort. Hmm. Couple of questions there for him. Uh, Victor Ladorum's a little bit one-paced and has always been beating bad horses in France. Uh, and Romanized just needs it needs the ground to be completely different. Mm. Uh, that'd be how I'd go with that. Anything else you'd want to mention from last weekend, Kentucky? Yeah, uh, a fascinating, fascinating renewal of the Kentucky Derby. Tis the law. Uh, was beaten on what made seem like arguably one of the worst. It, it, it was a bit of a downer, really, wasn't it? Um, what do you say? Would you say it was disappointing? Because as, as much as I didn't like Tis the Lost Chances, I sort of wanted him to win. I wanted him to defy everything that went on. Uh, but Authentic got the better for Bob Baffert um, after all the camaraderie before the race with Bob Baffert's uh, head lad who he's been with all his years. The other horse had got scratched uh, because it reared up and landed on him and the saddle slipped. So it went a bit mental, which when I watched American Racing, you don't really see that as much, uh, which I thought was unique for one of the first times. And then um, the videos later on of them putting the, the flower they have like flower saddles, don't they? That they put over the back of. Uh, I don't know if they have a name. Um, over authentic at the celebrations, and he whipped round and uh, give Bob Baffert a, a, a serious tumble. So uh, uh, it was a bit weird, really. I thought, but an, an enjoyable Kentucky Derby and uh, the ride by Velasquez on on authentic was inch perfect. Yeah, I said I don't. Well, going into it, I didn't know. Anything other than a tis the law. Really, I'll admit that I, I I watched him in the Belmont, I watched him in the Travers, uh, but I wasn't. I I didn't know who authentic it was before before Saturday. The way I assessed the race was that I think the form stacked up. Tis the law ran a good race, and it's, I wanted him to win. As a sport, we need champions, and I thought, and he still well could be that tis the law was going to be a real champion. But what it, it it might just have been one of them where it only took him being a couple of pounds below his very best. Still running to a high figure to have been enough for them to be one better on the day. And that could well be how it is. Although, to be fair, Authentic looks like a serious animal coming from an even, even wider draw than the favourite was in. Like you said, great ride from John Velasquez. And it'll be good to see them clash Later in the season, Tizzle, they want him to go to the Breeders' Cup, aren't they, rather than the Preakness? Yeah. I don't know what... what Have you heard about anything, what they're doing with Authentic? I think they're going to the Preakness. Boring. <laughs> uh, yeah, good good stats. It would have been nice to see Bob Baffert get it after the... Uh, I mean, sorry, it was nice to see Bob Baffert get it after what happened with Thousand Words in the, in the parade ring. And then... Uh, Authentic, causing a bit of carnage himself after the race. Never a dull moment in America, Jimmy. Never at all. This weekend, I mean, we're recording this on Thursday evening. 
And there would have been people back at Donny, as there were on on Wednesday. Obviously, the rules have changed about a changing on on Monday. It's coronavirus's weekend off, apparently. Uh, not quite communicate, is it? Uh, but it, it's an irritating one because in my eyes, again, you get the reaction of what was happening when Donny went ahead with crowds on Wednesday. And it just makes me despair. It's with the, the way the sport's seen by some people. Look, it doesn't. I guess the most prominent member, well, the most prominent member of Parliament with a racing background is Matt Hancock, who unfortunately, probably quite justifiably, he's not a very popular man in this country at the minute. So it's almost like anything he's associated with becomes tainted. And I'm not sure whether that's half of it. I'm not sure whether it's still some sort of hangover from the Cheltenham Festival, which we purposely, purposely allowed to go ahead in order to purposely spread coronavirus through the population. Some people would have the belief. And it's just... It just... It, it half makes me despair because there are, there are reasonable explanations towards everything. It's not some sort of Machiavellian industry that we're plotting on these shady... You know, the so-called shady deals that the Daily Mirror uncovered a couple of... Uh, months ago about Matt Hancock having donations from, you know, John Gosden and other trainers within the uh, West, is it West Suffolk constituency where Newmarket is. They're all, they're all publicly available records that you can Google. <laughs> you haven't uncovered anything. You know, there's nothing shady going on and it's, it, to me, it's just a little bit of a we're the bad guys. And if we're going to be the bad guys, Jim, let's ramp it up 100%. Let's go full on Dr. Doofenshmirtz with it. <laughs> you know, I want, I want Ascot to, unve- uh, to unveil a statue of a fully erect Stradivarius against all public decency. I, I, want, I want Big Fat Mogul to try and bite the Queen. Right, so you want everything to go out the window. So if we're going bad, we're going bad, bad. Yeah. I want I want us to unleash Matt Chapman to mainstream TV. Oh Christ! Please there'd don't. Be, please. There'd be, no, there'd be no coming back from that, lad. We've had one episode of Dancing on Ice, and that were enough. Let's have it. Let's have him on the one show. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Imagine that. And that's if we're gonna be the bad guys, let's do it properly. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Uh, I've not seen any racing today, actually. I've, I've not seen the, uh, any of the Thursday from Doncaster yet. I've, I've moved to Leeds this week, so I'm a, I'm a little bit... Uh, not quite had the most amount of free time. I'll, I'll watch it all later tonight. Anything worth talking about from that, Jim? Um, I thought that Indigo Girl was very, very impressive, and the Phillies Mile is the most logical idea for her next, and I think she's a serious, serious filly. Still didn't look entirely straightforward. Uh, she was slow away once again and ran very, very green, brought out wide. Had a good look round when she hit the front, 
uh, had a bit of a wander around the front, but still kept galloping, beat the right horses. Uh, I think Indigo Girl was, was the main eye-catcher for me today. And Pista uh, winning the Park Hill for Joseph O'Brien. Very likely race, cost a hell of a lot of money, um, but has now rattled off three wins, uh, including that Group 2 today. Uh, that was a very impressive performance, and I think they could have a bit of a cup horse on their hands there. Two miles, uh, either well on champ- uh, in England, uh, Ascot for Champions Weekend or uh, in the future next season, because she's full of stamina. Um, Sprite was impressive, and look, I can't forget Logician. Uh, had a school round, uh, which was nice to see him out. But um, other than that, quite a decent state of racing. Yeah, Tarbouche won as well on Wednesday. We like him on this podcast. Good to see a logician back out as well, uh, which was pretty much a, a, a friendly for him. But uh, good to see that he's still got four legs and he's still a little bit of a beast. Uh, the ledger itself, mate, fascinating this year. I think three Royal Ascot winners at the top of the market, Pile Driver, Santiago and Hookham. Three fairly different types as well, but all three of them, the claims, you know, are all to me fairly obvious and I quite like all three of them. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. Uh, I'll start with Pile Driver because I think he should should be the favourite. Um, we saw what he did in the Great Voltage last time, uh, beating Highland Chief and Big Fat Mogul. Absolutely cracking performance. Uh, after the slip-up from the Epsom Derby, he just wasn't... Just got bumped around early on, always towards the back, and never really got back on terms after winning the uh, King Edward. Um, I, I mean, he went off an absolute ridiculous price of that Great Voltage looking back at it. Uh, to see how comfortably he won. He won very, very impressively. Um, my only question, Mark, is there's nothing that short... I know he didn't look like he was stopping in the Great Voltage uh, at York, but there's there's nothing that's standing out to me that the step up to a mile and six would be in his favour, because I think he'd be a, have a hell of a chance if he'd lined up in the arc, uh, even though this year's renewal is probably arguably one of the hottest renewals in many years. Um, even though the arc's one of the difficulties races to win. I think he'd have been a lot suited to a mile and four. Uh, in, in, I understand why they're going for it. It's the last group one for the three-year-olds and the last classic of the season. But for me, I'm not entirely sold on him over a mile and six. I, I, I just Looking at him, I, I feel like a mile and four would just be bang on for him. Santiago, having won the... Uh, Irish Derby uh, all the time, even since Royal Ascot when he won the Queen's Vars, I thought said Ledger type written all over him uh, and then was very well, I was disappointed with him in the Goodwood Cup, I was expecting him to at least finish second uh, and he never really looked like getting past Nayef Road or Stradivarius at any time I uh, think mental Jim pardon? I think that's mental why? because in basic form terms He's matched, he's matched everything he's done. And this is why I think Santiago should be fav of a pile driver. Because we like horses that win. And that's what pile driver did last time out. However, I think the third in the Goodwood Cup is, a genu- is, a, is genuinely a stronger piece of form. 
getting all that weight though. I I I, I was over an, over an, over a new trip against probably the two best stayers in the country. Well, the two best male stayers, if we counted Embihar as a stayer, he was never going to go near Stradivarius, and the only reason he was ever short enough a price, you know, it, it was it was always too short a price because he was the only other option. Because we knew Nayef Road wouldn't, and we knew everything else in the in the race already wouldn't, because they proved they they proved they weren't capable of it. Stradivarius had to be a couple of points shorter of what he reasonably should have been, because he was the only actual other alternative. If you wanted to take Stradivarius on, you couldn't sanely do it with Nayef Road. So the only alternative was Stradivarius, and that's why he went off as short as he was. For me, he's the one to beat rather than Pile Driver, and he has the added bonus. Of knowing that he stays. Yeah, that that is the one positive in his column that a mile and six uh, is his bag uh, out of most of this field, other than the, the obvious subjectivist who's quite clearly likes a mile and six more than more than anyone. Um, Santiago, well, the official handicapper obviously thought that he was slightly disappointing as well because he's dropped him a pound, um, and I know this isn't a handicap, but. Um, it's interesting that they look at it that way. And Hookham uh, is gone from strength to strength since winning the King George handicap at Royal Ascot. Um, beat all the right horses. Subjectivist was in behind who we've since uh, hosed up at Goodwood, and we've seen he's entered in this as well. Um, there's been loads of winners in behind, apart from Convict, which I think he's gone missing. Um, and he won the Geoffrey Frey very, very impressively. In what looked like a, a quite a hot race for a Group Three with uh, Mirando, Lignac, uh, Sexton, Tritonic, uh, Max Vega in in there with him as well. Uh, he was. How have you mentioned every horse in the race apart from Communique? I, I couldn't. I couldn't mention Communique <laughs> once again. Um, he was fairly keen that day, and he still stayed on, stayed on very strongly. So I think stamina is assured on his side. I'm pretty confident they were. He's got. A quite a big galloping stride on him, uh, and he's the one for you sectional people. I think they're a big fan of him, which then lands me on to my fancy for this race, which is Galileo Chrome. Um, I'm chuffed that they're looking like they're going to go for this option. Um, he's a horse I've had a lot of time for, and a horse that's probably been slightly underappreciated, really. Um, he had one run as a two-year-old. Uh, and he was green as grass, didn't know what he was doing, missed the break, reared up, and uh, he plodded on well to finish fifth in the end. But then he's returned uh, to a track as a three-year-old uh, in what was one of the hottest maidens we'll have seen all season, even though King of Thrones has been beaten today. And I can't believe I tipped King of Thrones up in the Irish derby. Uh, Dorm Rising uh, has since run well in the Bahrain Trophy. We've seen Serpentine. Uh, Serpentine, Serpentine win the Epsom Derby so the form form of that maiden is fairly strong uh, he then went on to a mile and two uh, stepping up uh, sorry, staying at the same distance this time uh, for a, a bit more experience under the belt, beat Master of Foxhounds who's to be fairly decent you have to be beating Master of Foxhounds uh, and then last time out in the eight sticks uh a fairly hot listed race with a lot of horses that had had fairly solid form with Emperor of the Sun, Red Kelly and Gold Maze. Uh, stepped up to a mile and five, drew clear in the final furlong, kicked on again, uh, stayed on very strongly 
and I was very, very impressed. Shane Cross gets on very well with Galileo Chrome, and he retains the ride here. Uh, I think the stamina's assured. He won at a mile and five last time. Uh, his damn curious mind, her damn uh, has produced two mile, two two mile and a half hurdlers, uh, and Australia we've seen uh, also chucks a lot of stamina into the pedigree as well. I think he's got a lot of things going for him. And my only issue with Galileo Chrome going into this race is the fact that he's out of Australia. Fair enough, mate. Uh, I can't argue much. He's been he's been ridiculously progressive uh, throughout this season. This is a huge step up, though, in terms of class. And I guess he's he's priced with that improvement in mind for to two. It's fair enough. Taking it back to what I think about the favourite pile driver. Look, generally. Impossible to knock as a racehorse, I think, this season. Uh, what he did in the King Edward was was really impressive. The Voltager was arguably the, the most worthwhile piece of three-year-old colt form we've had all year, given that, you know, the second, the uh, first and second and third from the Gordon Stakes were all in behind, and the, the first two from that race appeared to run to similar enough form. He's quick though, isn't he? Mm. He's quick and he's a harbour watch. Uh, they're not; they don't exactly look like they're crying out for such an extreme trip. I would go here if if I was his connections, Jim. Rather than going for that, I'd, I'd be the opposite of you, just on the basis that I don't think he'll win an arc, and he might win this if he stays. If if he's better than won't. Because I don't, I wouldn't completely rule him out of the arc. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I know that the, after he runs in the St. Ledger, they're going for Champions Day. But I, I wouldn't completely rule him out if over a mile and fall. That, that performance in the Voltage last time was unreal. It's a very bad crop of three-year-old courts, isn't it? It is, but he could be the exception. Potentially. I mean... He... He might not be, you know, he might not have to be an out-and-out stayer to win this if everything else is bad. But I don't think everything else is bad. Because I think think Santiago is generally, so far I'd put him slightly above Mogul. Yeah. On what they've done this season. Definitely. And I really like Hookham. Who, like you've said, the form of that King George handicap has worked out very well. And, and Newbury. The Jeffrey Freeze sticks, he was powering clear at the finish. Mm. He had he had that race sewn up. Uh, and Ali Naki Miranda looked the ground was probably a little bit quick for Miranda. Ali Naki's a decent enough listed level horse. They're not out and out group on horses. But back against his own age group, I can see him going very well. I think the triple suit him. Uh, he, he's bang there in my mind, mate. What would you do with English King? Because they have the option of France. Um, when he won his Derby trial, I thought St. Ledger rather than Derby straight away. Um, I, you know I've never been his biggest fan. Uh, however, I think I think the St. Ledger would be a more logical step in my opinion. I think a mile and six 
Uh, he took a bit of time to get going in that Gordon stakes, didn't he? And I know he didn't get the runs when he wanted, but I don't think he was quick enough to get through them gaps. Um, so I think a step up to a minus six is understandable. I think 10 to 1 is a horrendous price. Um, and I wouldn't be touching that. And, but I think he has got, a, he's got more of a chance of winning this St. Ledger than the Grand Prix de Paris. See, I'm going to take you on there because I think if he if he runs in Doncaster, he'd be my pick. Really? He would be. At the prices, I am. What he showed at Lingfield and Epsom, even though he only came fifth at Epsom, he shaped really well on the clock. He shaped like a good horse, and he looked like a world beater at Lingfield. Beating donkeys. That's rude because Berkshire Rocco is very likable. And other than, other good, than Berkshire Rocco, what did he beat? No, I'm, I'm not claiming it's great form, Jim. But he won that like he was half asleep. It's like Mo Farrow running a race against me. I know Watson, but but if if Mo Farrow slaps you up, it doesn't mean he's not done it well. <laughs> That's a sentence I never thought I'd hear on this podcast. No, if and I'm I'm happy enough to take the view that Donny, that sorry, that Goodwood, for whatever reason, was just an off day. And if it was, I think on prior evidence, English King is the best horse in this race, and I think he'll stay. And therefore. I'd be more than happy to set the ten to one about him, and I Ooh. hope he runs here. I think he wins. If you're happy, sometimes if look, it, it comes around horses aren't machines, and if and if if I'm happy enough just to put that down from I've rewatched the Gordon Stakes, and I can't come up with a genuine reason, a genuine reason as to why he didn't run as well as he could have done. I know this is going to sound a bit of a silly question, and and you can w- rightly laugh at me, but Marquand now gets on board, and Dittori migrates to Santiago. If Dittori thought English King was going to win the St. Ledger, I'm sure he'd be riding it and not Santiago. That's a that's a that's a fairly reasonable way to put it, Jim. Yeah. But I don't really pay too much attention to jockey bookings. Me, it's not something. It's not. I've never been put off. I've never been put off a horse by, oh well, the stable jockeys picked so and so. That is an interesting one. I mean, how rude of Tom Marquand to jock Frankie the Tiger. <laughs> how do we know that's not happened? And what a brilliant story it would be if plucky young Tom could defeat the dastardly. Uh, Frankie, <laughs> like like an evil Italian uh, Bond villain, like Waluigi. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I was waiting for that. Except uh, I don't think he, I don't think he's his, is Waluigi the fat one. Not a tall one. Oh, tall one. That's all right. I was going to say um, Frankie the Taller. He's certainly not fat. No, you're thinking of Wario, who's a little bit like a squashed you. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a. A crappy little moustache. Uh, no, I'd, look, 
tend, if you're willing to put English Kings winning the Golden States down as an off day, then he's a ridiculously good price. I can't think of a reason why he shouldn't be better here. Because that, that, that was his worst of the three runs of the season. And I don't think it was... He's not been showing signs of regression. And just... It might just be one where I'm going to look at it and go... It's got to be one I'm just going to put a line through with regards to this. Because you're, you're getting the extra value. Look, if it turns out that somehow... He's nowhere, you know, he, he's he's just below form and he was a ridiculously forward three-year-old. That, you know, then fair enough. But you're getting, you're getting extra, you know, well, you're getting points for that. And I think tens is very fair. Subjectivist, I mean, would it surprise anyone if he hit the frame? Probably not. Would it surprise anyone if he won? Probably. He should be a couple better than him, shouldn't he? Yeah, hopefully. Um, he reminds me of Sir Ron Priestley last year. You'll expect him to see him running on, staying strongly and finishing second or third or fourth, probably. Yeah. How refreshing after Sir Glarby and Hell of Humesane to see two brothers who are the exact same horse. <laughs> uh, uh, and then further down the market, I can't make a case for anything other than Bach Scirocco, who is overpriced at 40 to 1. He stays forever, will plug on. And he's gonna be capable of overtaking anything that doesn't stay. I would be happy to say Balchiroko will be in the first half of this race. Whether that's good enough to hit the frame, not sure. But I think he'll be close to first and last. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Uh, and he'll certainly beat home Tyson Fury. Yeah, we love a one-pace slow boat in the ledger. Uh, <laughs> Who wins it for you then, mate? And I got Leo Crone for me. Um, as I've mentioned, I think he's got a superb chance. Out and out stamina on the progress. Uh, Shane Cross gets on board very, very well with him. I think 13 to 2 is a fair enough pass about him. My only negative, as I've said, is he is not out of Galileo. Bye, Galileo. You're going to have to keep. I've let that slide a couple of weeks. Okay. I've let that slide. It's what it's become a minor one. It's become a minor one. I had to let it go there. <laughs> uh, yeah, English King for me. If he's uh, out of the three at the head of the betting, I will. I prefer Hookham. I prefer Santiago. My three to one would go out of those. I'd go Hookham, Santiago, Pile Driver. But um, I like Pile Driver. This is me saying I think Pile Driver is a shocking bet. It's a good ledger. Yeah, it is this year. Uh, I think I'd go Galileo, Chrome, Santiago, Hookham. Could it end up being a more worthwhile race than the Derby? How Quite funny possibly, that yeah. Well, funny I, I, that I'm sure we probably might see that. Yeah, it won't surprise me. It won't surprise me. The Donny undercard, Jim, uh, we're just going to touch on the group races. The Champagne Stakes is at 150. Al-Bashir, 9-4, same price, Chindit. 92 Mujbar, 91 Devious Company, 10 St. Lawrence, 20 State of Risk, and 28 for Broxy. Uh, Jim, what do you make of this group of two year olds? Uh, this is a nice race. Um, Al Bashir was very impressive at Doncaster in his novice, beating, uh, well, the owner's companion, uh, Ala Black. Uh, Lost in Space was in behind, who since won uh, two nurseries. 
and he didn't go off unfancied on the day at Doncaster. Um, Travelled into the race with supreme ease and kicked away from his rivals, knew his job, uh, won by six uh, and a half in the end uh, for Owen Burrows, who's having an outstanding season. I can understand why he's favourite, just edging Chindit at the minute. Uh, but I, I think Chindit is the bet for me in this. He, he was really impressive in the Pat, uh, Pat Edery. Uh, the, the form is is solid enough for me. Uh, being beating Cove and uh, also being Ala Black uh, on debut, who had the form line with Albashir, as I mentioned. Uh, even though Chindit didn't beat him by as far. Um, I still feel like it was more of a progressive race for Chindit. Uh, and I, I do think it's a two-horse race between them two, and I'll probably be signing with Chindit. I'm with you on that, mate. I, I love that part of his stakes form. It, it's brilliant. It's worked, out, it's worked out as well as any two-year-old race has this season. And I see no reason to desert the winner from that when I've been popping up with practically every other horse that ran in it. Uh, since it came out. The two Hamdam horses were both really impressive on their last starts. Mujbar got the job done the second time up. Uh, he's the son of Muhara, like you said, Al Bashir. Uh, absolutely slapped up over course and distance uh, back in July. Down the field, we know a lot more about St Lawrence, who was fourth to Chindi in the Pat Edry. He's since gone and won the race. That's normally the Washington Singer at Newbury. Uh, Fairly exposed. You'd be disappointed if they were a couple better than him for all. He's clearly quite a tidy two-year-old. And Devious Company. I mean, he was. You, you could only say he was. He flopped in the Ballyhay Stakes last time out after two really decent runs. Yeah, but you got to say he had three days difference between his, his York second uh, in that Goffs uh, big two-year-old race. So that that's the only thing I'd put that down to. Quick to successive run. Yeah, fair enough, mate. That that's a viable excuse. I just find it a bit strange as to why they'd have run him if they didn't think he'd have gone well. You know what I mean? It's an easily he went off five. I'd normally, I'd normally be keener to excuse that than I am on this occasion. Because I just don't know why they would have done it if they didn't think it was going to go well. The money was good for the Ballyhane, though, wasn't it? It was. For... Oh yeah, it, it, it was. It was really, really. You know, it, it was a really, really valuable race. As was the ran. As was the one he ran in at York, and I, I guess, I guess I could see that the money may have tempted them, but I don't know. For me, I, I just, I just see it as a strange move if they weren't confident. It could well prove me wrong, could well prove me wrong, and he's better than he showed at Nace, we know that. Uh, so he's certainly got a chance as well, but we're both, we've chinned it. Uh, for this, the Park Stakes, Jim, uh, another seven furlong group too. There's one of these every week, for about five weeks in summer. <laughs> yeah, there seems to be much of a muchness, don't you? I was looking to see where Safe Voyage was, but then I realised he's, he's going to Ireland this weekend. He is uh, the bet here in the part six, five to two Lamato, seven to two one master, seven to two Wichita. He's a little bit of a fly in the ointment. Eleven to two Malafem. Ten's breathtaking look. Fourteen's Urban Icon. Sixteen Shine So Bright. And twenty to one Marie's Diamond. Uh 
I guess the place to start is Lamato, Jim. One run, one one this season, took the criterion and he looks as good as ever at the age of eight. Yeah, he did. Um, Adam Kirby's first time, he'd got aboard him and uh, they seemed to fit his riding style perfectly. Quick, the quick and clear from Happy Power, who's since backed up that form, winning a conditions race at Salisbury and winning the Supreme uh, Sticks at Goodwood. So uh, the form's fairly, well, it's rock solid form at this at this level. Um, going up in class once again, it's Lamato. Um, you know where you stand with him, and he's sort of the the form standard. Uh, same with one master. Uh, she's been campaigned fairly rigor- rigorously this season. Um, when Glorious Goodwood win was impressive, and the way the race went in the city of York didn't quite suit her as much as maybe other people were expecting. But she's once again, you know where you stand with her. The, the softer the ground, the better performance. And then you chuck the two three-year-olds in with Wichita and uh, Malatham. Uh, as you said, Wichita could be the fly in the ointment here. Um, second in the Guineas, third in the St. James's Palace, uh, fifth in the Sussex, and then step down to six in the Maurice de Guise, which quite clearly didn't suit. Frankie Dittori gets on well and, and knows Wichita fairly well, as we've seen uh, in as he's rode him three times this season. Uh, and Malatham, who I am quite a fan of, uh, won the jersey very impressively, I thought, in the end, even though maybe Monica Egypt uh, was the more eye-catching. Uh, I, I'm not sure the jersey was that strong, but uh, he then went in the Jean Pratt and didn't run uh, at all bad, um, only beaten four lengths in the end uh, in, in what looks like to be a fairly decent race. So I think a fascinating race. I'm probably I'm agreeing with you again, Lewis. I think Wichita's probably where I'll be landing. Yeah, fair enough, mate. I I'm not sure how much I agree with you about Wichita. I I find him a little bit of a hard horse to take my grasp. Every time he's run over a mile, I get the impression that I I think he would cope over further. Do you think a mile and two? I could see it. I'd rather him try that than six, even though he's bred to be quick. But he's he's a bit of a unit, isn't he? Yeah. And I'm just... For me, which is a sort of horse who I feel his strength is how well he goes for a period of time through the race rather than He's not like a pin or two or hit the button, go bang. You know what I mean? I don't I don't see him as that sort of horse. I think he can sustain an all right pace for a fair period of time and that's why he's he's a sort of horse that's been good enough to place in a guineas in a St James's Palace without winning one. Because he's just not quite that extra gear there. And down in trip whether he would need that extra gear uh to be a threat. It's something I worry about, especially against horses as consistent as Limato and One Master. I'll probably be with the mayor here, Jim. Uh, did really well, did really well to get up in the Oak Tree Stakes and uh, get past Valeria Messalina. Had no right to win that race, given the way it panned out. Proved that she still got everything she want. Uh, she had last season in doing so. Prior to that. Look, I, I know people may have been found 
uh, her runs prior to that started disappointing. I'd be looking a little bit more glass half full towards her. She's an out and out seven furlong horse. She wasn't beaten, you know, she wasn't beaten more than a length in the Falmouth. And she finds quick ground, quick ground at Ascot over, over the six. A little bit sharp for her. York in the city of York six. Look, she's been beaten by a peak safe voyage who has developed the season into a borderline. You know, <laughs> safe voyage would win this. You know what I mean? Yeah, he would. And I, don't, I won't put him past him winning the foray. Well, Pinatubo's going to go there, isn't he? So I do put it past him. But in in a usual sort of year. So I, I don't really knock that either. I think at 7-2 to two was River, uh, as opposed to Lamarto's 5-2. to two, And that's not saying I don't like Lamarto. I'd almost, if, if I was to have them as giant fabs, that would be fair. And therefore, I think I'll go for the one that's half a point bigger away from that. Malafam's interesting. Like you said, one of, let's be fair, a bad renewal of the Jersey Stakes. Yeah. It's a race that can often... I like the Jersey. Because it's a, bit, a little bit of a strange race. You get you get lots of different types turning up for it. You'll get guineas, guineas also around. You'll get horses who have been winning listed races. You'll get horses coming straight out of novice company and handicaps. You get very exposed two-year-olds uh, trying to have a, trying to have another crack at winning a group race at three. It was a bad renewal this year, though. Um, they've gelded Monica for Egypt, aren't they? I think they are. Well, that says it all. Uh, I like Malafem, but maybe he's not as good as I thought he was. Uh, the Jean Pratt. Wasn't a great race either, and I'd have well the, if he was the horse I thought he was, he'd have been running better than fifth. Uh, breathtaking looks capable of hitting the frame. Won a group three in France's timeout. So were all the outsiders at their best. Would all have squeaks? Urban icons shine so bright, and Marie's diamond. Uh, not quite being in the best of recent form though. I think it's fair to say. Marie's mm. dad was a bit of a revelation at the start of the season, uh, winning at New New Market and then going on to finish third in the Queen Anne. But it's been quite poor since. Twenties is a fair price if she bounces back. Yeah. Uh, this should suit Science Shine so bright as well, but again, a little bit below form this season. Uh, one master for me, mate. Yeah, and I'm going to go Wichita, even though the Wichita and Malatham met in the Flying Scotsman last season, and Malatham got the better of him. He's not. He's not a geary horse. I don't think he is, and I say that, he'll go up and absolutely bolt up. Uh, Irish Champions Weekend, Jim. It's been a brilliant, brilliant addition to the calendar, getting all these group ones across one weekend. The Saturday's actually a bit worse than the Sunday. Which is a strange one, but I do like my good Sunday racing, so I'm not that fussed. Uh, we'll start with the matron stakes then. Jim, three ten at Leopardstown, the best price is two to one fancy blue, nine to four peaceful, thirteen to two Albania, nine Champers Elise, ten to know it all, sixteen to one. Bad them. The way I see it, Jim, is it's between the two cooler more horses at the top of the market, Donica versus Aiden, and I think I'll be with a Donica filler. I'm with you. Uh, in agreement once again, Fancy Blue uh, has shown this season that she's pretty special. Uh, winning the French Oaks, uh, beating uh, Peaceful in that 
yeah, all of it by uh, a head and a nose and palaver. Uh, but then she backed it up in the Nassau, always <laughs> showing enough uh, in front. One voice was getting there, but she was always finding more from the front. Uh, Ryan Moore chooses Fancy Blue over Peaceful, which says it all. I, I, I know I, I, you said jockey bookings don't mean an awful lot, but um, um, but I think Fancy Blue will take all the beating. And uh, as much as there's there's nice ones in behind, that I don't think they're up to Fancy Blue's level. Yeah, I mean. I might not be quite as confident as you. I do generally... I think she's a filly with a higher level of ability than Peaceful. But is... Is that because Fancy Blue was a little bit sexier as a two-year-old? Yeah, I'm, maybe. I'm not sure whether I'm falling into that trap. Uh, because the Irish Guineas, really... Peaceful's done a fair and square. And arguably... You know, was over a further trip that so suited Fancy Blue more. Maybe in mind, this race should actually suit Peaceful better. But is Fancy Blue now a more superior horse once again, having improved to win the Nassau again? It's a really, really good race. Uh, Peaceful's one of them fillies that I feel have got to catch me out. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel That's like he's a potential banana skin. I had the exact same problem all of last season with Viridessa. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I'm a little bit tentative with this. I think one of the two of them wins. Albanian not quite done it this season, has she? No, and and they tried to step her up in trip last time and she just never, she didn't get a chance to use her speed as much. Um, she never was really in the the Irish 1000. Going back, sorry, to Peaceful, I, I think the, step, the fact that Peaceful's over a mile, back over a mile, I think that'll suit more than Fancy Blue, but I think Fancy Blue's good enough now to get away with it. Um, so Wonderful's in here. <laughs> Who'd have thought this, that So Wonderful uh, would have rattled off two wins, uh, including a listed race. Coolmore really at it in this, and Champelisi, who's um, being so progressive for um, Johnny Murter this season uh, finally well he, he goes into Champions Weekend I watched a, a segment on Racing TV with a, with a very strong squad and she won uh, the Fairy Bridge Stakes Group 3 last time out not that strong a form but a, a, a good enough performance and won impressively and, and she's certainly on the up and when Phillies get on these runs, sometimes there's no stopping them. But I, I, I won't rule her out of a place at nines. My each way bet in this gym would be so wonderful. Oh. <laughs> woof, woof. Well, it's not the fact that she's been winning too. She's 25 to 1, though, when the best form gives her a chance of making the frame here. Yeah. It's a pretty simple one. She has actually been winning for once. I'm surprised she's as big as she is. She won't win it. But she is... To me, she strikes as that sort of horse who is always worth being against at short odds. Not a bad each way option in this sort of race. I'm not convinced she's, you know, 16 points worse a horse than Sean Pazalese. 
in general form terms, so wonderful has actually achieved more. So I'm happy enough to put her up as the each way bet, uh, possibly for the one and only time. Uh, the Irish champion stakes, what a race it is. Well, a rematch between the 1-2 from the Judmont. Gayaf, can he make it five in a row this season? I hope so. I've become a huge fan of him this year. I've gone a complete 180. Magical, who it's impossible not to be a huge fan of. She took this last season. Can she make it uh, a defence of her crown? Japan, speaking of horses who I've done a complete 180 on, was my idea of the arc winner at the season. And I genuinely would rather back Armory at 66ers for this. Yeah. What um, do you make of the Irish champion, mate? Um, it's a fascinating race. Uh, the, the, I, again, going back to jockey bookings, I don't know I keep doing this, but I, you'd have thought Ryan Moore had gone for magical, wouldn't you, on this on, on form this season. Japan's been nothing but disappointing. But Gayar, I'm surprised they've gone here. Um, I thought that the fact that they've gone for this makes me think that they're not fancying the art that much. And I, and, and I know he takes a lot out of himself. And I know this season he's a lot better. But to win, he's going to have to have another big performance in this and then go for the arc again. It's going to have to take some performance. And I know he's probably at the peak of his powers at the minute. Um, but I think he's got an outstanding chance in this. He's going to... In my opinion, he'll probably just romp the field. But in behind, the fact that Sotsas is coming over, that's interesting. Even though he has been disappointing this season so far. Uh, his third in the art last season was he beat Japan and Magical. And he is a bigger price than both of them uh, here. And I think as much as, as, much as Sotsas disappointed last time in heavy ground, and he does like soft ground. I'm willing to excuse him that. And he thrives with his racing. Uh, as we saw last season, he improves with each run. And I think he's got a decent chance here at 17-2. And I, I can probably see Sotsas finishing second. Because Japan this season, I, I was disappointed uh, with him in the Prince of Wales. He never starts the season very well. I was disappointed in the Eclipse. Well, I don't think I was disappointed. I it was sort of finishing where I was expecting him to finish. Um, but I would have quite liked to have seen a lot more in the King George when he was just, I'm going to say that he was awful. Um, and, and Ryan Moore obviously keeps the faith. Uh, and Magical, second in the Judmont last time behind Gayar. Probably ran how we all sort of expected. Uh, and has been good since she's returned in the Tussauds Gold Cup and the Pretty Polly um, and is more likely to be second to Gayarth but at the prices and for the forecast I'd probably edge with Sotsas I think we are overrating both the four-year-old Colts I think in general I think they have been overrated because of how well they ran in the art class season but how well they ran in the arc last season wasn't actually that good because it was a shite arc. Look at the horses he both picked. They were third and fourth in the arc, which on paper makes them sound like absolutely brilliant animals. Look at who they finished ahead of. Magically, you can excuse because she had about ten races this season and still managed to finish fifth. And, and Gayas' chance was gone at the draw. 
And before that, they're beating two Japanese 60-61 outsiders who were getting beat at Vichy earlier in the season. You know, Sotsas has been, has been outspeeded by way to Paris this year, who's a cup horse. I know he beat him, he beat him in the Gane only by a neck. Prior to that long shot, way to Paris slapped him up. And again, I don't get how he's been... How a, an Irish Champions Stakes winner should have been winning all three races that Sotsas has been in this season. And Sotsas has only managed to win one. And even then, he's, he's managed to beat Way to Paris at the trip. At least four furlongs short of Way to Paris's best. It was a rubbish arc. They were a rubbish crop of Colts last year. Uh, apart from AVD, retain the faith. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Big up AVD. Where are you here? Uh, is he, he might be in France this weekend. Is he in the Paris? He's in the Foy. He's in the Foy. Oh, he... You have to be free to run in the Paris, I think. Uh, oh, Gaff should. Gaff is the best horse in Europe, in my opinion. I see no reason why they shouldn't suit him right down to the ground. Pretty much like York. I'd, if, if you were to design a trap to see Gaff at his best, Leopardstown would be very, very similar to it. I see no reason why Magical should turn the form around. Those, I think she should be clearly second best. Uh Japan. Japan won a judgment. <laughs> and I don't still, I'm still not quite sure how that happened. Because going into Japan's judgment, if you remember my thoughts on him going into that, I didn't like him then either. I thought he was, I thought he was a slow mile and a half horse who wanted the ledger trip. And then he was quick enough to win the judgment. And I was gobsmacked. And then he finished third in an arc, and I thought, well, he's just been a very slow burner. He's actually a proper group on horse. They were right all along. Maybe, just maybe, Aidan O'Brien knows what he's on about. And then this year, again, he's, he's just, <laughs> he just looked so slow every time he's ran. Just a horse with no other, no gears. <sighs> I can't believe he's 9-2. to two. Again, <laughs> and I, I genuinely would rather be with Armory, who did really well to get himself out of a bit of a grim pocket last time out at the Curra. Had to quicken up in a really short period of time. And he showed a turn of foot there that Japan has never once shown. Uh, he's a better, better 66ers. I, I, I honestly believe that, which is insane for me to be putting up a 66-1 to one shot over a 9-2 to two shot. I genuinely think that's 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 a better bet. Uh, Leo De Fury isn't good enough, and Sotsas isn't good enough, in my opinion. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I just I think we're convincing ourselves the the key bits of form that we're clinging to. Because prior to that, right, Sotsas and well, Japan obviously won a judgment. Prior to that, Sotsas had been racing against his own his own age group. And yes, he beat Persian King in the Jockey Club. Persian King is better over a mile. He's a miler who gets 10, rather than a 10 furlong horse. He won the pre-Niel, you know, against his own age group. You know, who? Who are they? Who's running in that? Mutter Makina, last seen finishing 8th at 80-1 in the pre-Jean Romane. Mohawk, who was, you know... And Aidan O'Brien, you know, listed level animal. Then he finished third in an arc, ahead of, really, 
a woeful art field. The only two horses he's finished ahead of who were, who were worth their worth the salt at Group One level are Magical and Gayaf, and they both had serious excuses as to why they didn't run to form. It was a rubbish. It was a rubbish race, and that's why Japan and Sox has finished third and fourth in it, not because that they're good. Uh, they'll probably be the one too now. Uh, <laughs> Imagine tears in in the Tomlinson household when that comes up. <laughs> no, do you know what? I don't mind being mugged off. When a horse goes and mugs me off, I don't mind it. You know, but you know, I, you know, I, I, I'd rather throw the gauntlet down and them to answer it, and then I go, yeah, fair play, fair play. You've made me look a bit daft, but I don't think these do well. I, I, I struggle to take a single positive from Japan's season, and Sotsas has won a Group One this year, but it's an entirely different world to taking on the likes of Gaff and Magical, you know. In this, I mean, in simple terms, Gayaf wins and everything. I'm dis- I'm discussing it. I'm <laughs> what you do? We're all gone mentally. Gayaf wins, simple. Yeah, we spent ten minutes discussing a race. We both like the one favourite for, uh, and me explaining horses. I don't know what the point of me explaining why Japan and Sotsas can't be <laughs> no horse on earth beat Gayaf, in my opinion, over this trip. But, uh, yeah, nice one. Uh, Anything else on the side? Did you, there's two more Group 2s, the champion juvenile stakes, which Cadillac, 15-8, to eight, Fav there to beat Fernando Vici, an impressive winner on his second staff for Donna Crow Brian, also the likes of Ides of August, Van Gogh, and Snapraterio. Uh, also in that, Lithium River as well, won well for Joseph O'Brien. Uh, at the first flat meeting at Punchestown for a while, I think almost a decade and a half or so, uh, on his last start, that's a very decent two race. And as Jim mentioned previously, Safe Voyage goes in the Boomerang Mile, uh, a Group 2. He's joint fav for that with Century Dream. Lancaster House also in there, Vatican City, Royal Dornock. Yeah. And a couple of outsiders. That's a tidy enough race, Jim. Uh, as well, any opinions on either of those? Uh, just Vatican City, that back down to a mile. Um, I think that'll be bang up his street. I think there's a fair bit of potential. He's second in the Irish 2000 was good enough for me. Uh, he's then been campaigned at a mile and four and a hot Sussex where he quite clearly something went wrong with him. Um, I think uh, in this intergroup two company, I think he's, in my opinion, he's the leading uh, Coolmore horse more than Royal Dornock and Lancaster House. Uh, but I do think they'll have to go a fair clip to beat Safe Voyage. Yeah, same point for me, mate. I just he's, he's just rapidly progressing somehow at the age of seven. Super likable. Loves a scrap. The sort of horse you'd want on your side. Uh, and I'd, I'd be buzzing if he won this. I like Century Dream as well. Potentially slightly ground dependent. Although, oh, on overall form, he's miling form. He's better than, say, Foyages. Yeah. So I could... I can understand exactly why people would want to be with him. Lancaster House. Well, you're disappointed that he couldn't beat Romanized. Romanized is a better horse, and I found it a bit of a bit surprising that Lancaster House went off odds on Fav. Uh, back up to a mile again. He's got a chance. He's got a chance. This is a good race. Royal Dornock, I think, is a little bit exposed nowadays, even though he won the Desmond last time out. Needs a step up for this. 
uh, and I struggle to give a much of a chance to any of the outsiders. Uh, moving away from the Saturday, although we tie off is out in the 5.15, uh, the group three over a mile and a half. Patrick Sarsfield and Buckhurst also in that tidy little group three there with a lot of familiar names in that sort of race in Ireland. Uh, moving on to the Sunday, we don't have decks for this yet, and I don't have prices uh, unless I switch onto the anti-post page. Maybe that will help. Uh, we will start, though, Jim, with the Derringstown stud flying five stakes. Uh, group three, over five furlongs. Group three? Oh, sorry. <laughs> group one. It's all right. Um, the key, the key point is in this. Uh, Kea Moro. I have prices if you want them. Have you got them? I have now. It was on the anti-post list. Get in. Uh, the flying five furlongs. Glass slippers and make a challenge. Nine to two. Co-favorites of three with Kea Moro. Eleven to two. At Alley. Eight to one. Liberty Beach. Tens equilateral. Tens. Lopi Fernandez. Also tens for Sanela. Sixteen to keep busy. Thirty-three to one. Bar then. Carry on, pal. Kamaro. Yeah, Kamaro and Glasslip is the the two key fillies in this. Uh, Kamaro was second to Batash at York in the Nullfort, an absolute cracker. And Glasslippers uh, finished second in the King George at Goodwood. She ran a lot better than what she did at Ascot, um, showing a bit more sign of a, a Abbey victory. I, I think they're the main two that you've got to take out of this. We know we know Batash is a standard setter. And they have just come up short against him, so that they both run very well against him this season. Alali, the three-year-old, uh, finished fourth behind Batashi York. Was never really in the race, in my opinion, but uh, he won the Sapphire fairly impressively against uh, Make a Challenge, who's a, who's a standard Irish uh, five furlong stalwart that you sort of that's where he is. Uh, and had previously beat Liberty Beach in, in what looked like a decent enough coral charge. Um, Liberty Beach is also in this, who I've just mentioned was beaten uh, by Alali, and uh, Equilateral brings in the form of um, the King Stand, which he was second behind Batash as well. So this race is 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 sort of like the the Group One without Batash that everyone can have an opportunity with. Uh, Lopi Fernandez is is, is chucked. Uh, chucks his hat into a ring over another distance that everyone's unsure what he'll be good at. Um, but it all depends on the ground for me. I think if the ground is soft, like heavy, proper heavy, I think he'll suit glass slippers. But I'm probably edging more towards KMR um, to show that, that speed that she's got, that she showed so early on in the Nunthorpe. I don't think I'm a mile away from you there, mate. I quite like Kamaro. Uh, look, this is the sort of group that are capable of beating each other. Yeah, I, you could probably run this race about four times, ten, well, ten times, and you'd have ten different results. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I guess generally the best piece of recent form is Kamaro's second in the non-fop, and the speed she went in that race to sustain that it took it took. A real performance for Batash. He had Batash out of his comfort zone. Mm. Which doesn't happen very often. Uh, she's an SK love as well. I didn't even realise he was a stallion. 
Did you not? I, I was oh. saying, I, I don't think there's that many good escape loves around nowadays. I'm, I'm not really... I, I, I'd have been shocked if he was a superstar, to be fair. Bless him. That's like when I found out Belgian Bill was at stud. I was I, I absolutely loved it, but I was also a little bit like, really? Uh, yeah, but apparently uh, some people want to breed from SK Love. Um, he's, he's, he's produced an absolute belter in Kayamaro. Uh Glass slippers. He's capable. Neat wants it soft. Although saying that, she ran really well on quick ground, to be fair. Better than I thought she would when chasing Batash home in the King George last time out. Liberty Beach was fourth in that race, and I'd give her another chance, definitely. Probably slightly below form in that, but overall this season she's been quite consistent and does it is an out-and-out minimum trip horse. Hey, Ali. Again, generally, very solid this year. Could only make fourth in the non-thorpe. So with that, has three and a half lengths to make up from SK Love. But pride that won the uh, Sapphire Stakes at the Curragh. And the Coral Charger already beat Liberty Beach. I like him. I think 11 to 2 is a, is a reasonable price. I wouldn't put anyone off that. Uh, Equilateral gets beat, doesn't he? He doesn't win. Yeah, uh, that's the only frustrating thing. We saw, saw him get his head in front in Maidan, but then after that, he was disappointed. Yeah, no, couldn't be with him for this. Uh, down the field. I don't. I'd be surprised if Lopi Fernandez actually turned up for this, if I'm honest. Surely that would just... that that's If if they run him in this, surely that's just, you know... Cruel. <laughs> cruel. Yeah, not every horse is communique. Uh, you, you can't... Aidan O'Brien, you don't have to have a runner in every race. That's all I'd say. You don't have to... You don't have to stick Lopi Fernandez in every race. You don't have another Group 1 runner. Uh, bless him. I hope he doesn't run. That's all, that's all my analysis of this. And if he does, he's running over the wrong trip. Shanaela's uh, a nice horse for Paddy Toomey. Uh, beaten by Glenn Shield last time out in the Phoenix Sprint Stakes. Prior to that, had won a Premier Handicap over seven furlongs. Look, Glenn Shield gave a former right boost with a clear career best when second in the Sprint Cup last week. We both like Glenn Shield on this podcast, I think. Uh, I guess the issue for Sunaila would be back down to five. She's never ran over it. And the best one's generally over seven. Nice feeling, though. Good to see Paddy Toomey with a good one. <sighs> We're both quite fancy with this, aren't we? Yeah. I think it, it's it... a race to be fancy with, given that we don't have final decks, we don't have a draw, we don't have the ground. And we don't have a final market. It's a good one. But if me and you are both going to be massive bottle jobs for a race this week, I definitely want it to be this one. Yeah. It's an open renewal and I'd rather see the decks and have a proper look through first. I guess at this stage, the one you're is of most interest will be KMRO. Yeah, it is for me. I'd be the same for you there, mate. Uh... Before we talk about the other group ones, the two-year-old races, we'll just touch on the Blanford Stakes, a group two for Phillies. You bet best prices, five to two, one voice, fourth magic wand, fives K and Pepper and Lamister, seven to one, Thundering Knight, eight gold wand and Laburnum, tens for Ennis Time and twelves bar. Do you, what do you make of this race, quickly? Fascinating. Plenty of informed good Phillies and mares. 
Uh, Lemister was impressive in the kill by last time uh, and has been impressive for most of this season, really. Um, she's just in a good winning habit now and she's probably the best chance of Joe Lyons this weekend and I think she might take a bit of beating, you know. Yeah, that's a very fair comment, pal. Uh, the two-year-old racers, mate, the Moigled Stud Stakes, I mean, if there's one as good as loving this, we're in for a real treat. Uh, they bet best prices at this stage. Even money for Pretty Gorgeous, 7-2 Shale. Tens to Rita Mendoza, 12's Anti Bride and Mother Earth, 14's Thunder Beauty, 16's Angel Palm, and 20 to 1. Bar them. Uh, Jim, pretty gorgeous. A lot of hype around her. Easy to see why. Yeah, understandable. Uh, winning the Debbie St. last time, beating Shale, who she ran into last time and couldn't get the better of that time. Uh, I think the key to pretty gorgeous is the, uh, the softer ground. Uh, I think that was more in favour with her last time in the debutant than Shale, uh, who we saw they faced each other in the silver flash sticks on better ground than Shale uh, kept on galloping. Uh, pretty gorgeous, also probably improved slightly more for the run. Uh, it's, has one, has had one less run than Shale uh, and is improving. I, I, I wouldn't quite rule Shale out. What price did you say Shale, was Shale? Seven to two. I thought that was a fair. That's a fair enough price uh, for Shale. It definitely is to say that pretty gorgeous is even money, and they're currently one all. Yeah, and it, beaten two and a half lengths last time by pretty gorgeous, and beat pretty gorgeous by one and a half lengths uh, prior to that. Um, I, I won't quite rule Shale out just yet, um, and I think seven to two is a fair enough price about her. Um, although pretty gorgeous is probably the the, the possible superstar in this. Um, I'd be willing to give Shale another go. Yeah, fair enough there, pal. I think at the prices, that's more sensible. That is more sensible. Shale, obviously, a daughter of Homecoming Queen, the, the Guineas winner from back in the day. Uh, really, really nicely bred. And look, she did get the better of Pretty Gorgeous fairly convincingly, I'd say, in, in the Silver Flash. Obviously, Pretty Gorgeous was you know, was fab for that. The, the George for Bryant team clearly think quite a lot of her, and she did turn the tables in the debut on last time out. Arguably. Well, not arguably, definitely, with a little bit more ease than Shale did when they met previously. So I can I can see why Pretty Gorgeous is, is clear fab. In fact, you'd, you'd, it'd be daft if she wasn't, given that the most recent run is the most relevant one. But the disparity in price is a little bit too big. Uh, further down the field, you've got the likes of Teresa Mendoza for Ken Condon, runner-up in the Round Tower Stakes last time out. I think the key to it might be uh, the two fillies all from the sons of O'Brien. Joseph taking on Donica this time. Uh, good race, and I, I hope there's a good one in it. Before we go, Jim, because uh, because we love your love of the Irish language and your refusal to pronounce Oran the same, can you have a go at saying the name of the Dermot Wells horse? Uh, in the Moigler. Dermot Wells, where is in it? In the Moigler colours. Am I, share? <laughs> no, you aren't. 
<laughs> really? <laughs> I don't no. believe in love at all. No, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I can tell you that, that's definitely true. <laughs> that is definitely true. I'm, actually, I'm just assuming that's Irish. It looks it. I yeah, mean, it, it will be. I'd 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 love if it was just pronounced Amasher, as in asking that as a question. <laughs> you should be allowed question marks in names. I think that would be quite interesting. Is is that a recommendation to the BHA? Yeah. I'm, how, I'm can, how can we how can we improve the sport? Question marks. Question marks in the names. How are you? Question mark. Exclamation marks, maybe? No, no, that's too, that's too shouty. No, because then it'd be the roaring bullets. Roaring bull! <laughs> imagine that. Imagine Jerry Adam having to pronounce horses with exclamation marks at the end of their name. Every time it jumped him, and he couldn't just say roaring bull normally. He had to shout it as it jumped over it, and so roaring bulls out in front where he had to shout it. That'd be class. Well, it's a good job we have the brackets all this weekend with Exchequer Ireland taking on Exchequer France. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if there's anything else we'd like to see in racehorse names, let us know. Maybe it could be like Elon Musk's kid, and we can we can invent our own letters. Uh, the National Stakes, Jim, really good race. Five to two, Fav Battleground, same price, Master of the Seas. Eleven to two, Lucky Vega, Nine's Military Style, Military Smile, Military Style. Ten's Max Swinney, Fourteen's Thunder Moon. 16's Laws of Indices, St. Mark's Basilica and Mersenne. That's probably pronounced Mason, but I'm going to pronounce it the Yorkshire way. Uh, <laughs> 25's Bar then. Best field of two-year-old Colts assembled this season. Yeah, and uh, uh, you said Mersenne. I'm sure Carly Abdullah is a, is a fluid Yorkshire accent speaker. Um, Battleground and Master of the Seas are two standouts here. They take on each other. Uh, Battleground, obviously being sort of found, has been bred to be pretty special and uh, winning the Chesham and uh, also the Vintage Stakes at Goodwood very impressively. Uh, He's got the score, he's got the size, he doesn't just look like he's going to be a one-off two-year-old and going into his three-year-old career, hopefully he can progress even more. And I think I'd rather have him over Master of the Seas here. Although Master of the Seas was impressive in the superlative, and I can probably go as far as to say the superlative was slightly better. Um, and and the way that he did it was impressive. I, I still feel like there's a bit more progression to come from Battleground, whereas Master of the Seas, although he's had less racing, I feel like I sort of know where I stand with him. And I know they're on, they're on the same ratings, but I, I feel like there's, they've not found the bottom of Battleground just yet. Uh, and I'd probably edge with him over that. Uh, and he took in Lucky Vega, who had good form over six, winning the Phoenix last time. Uh, all the right horses win behind Vega, Giorgio Vasari, Steel Bull, uh, St. Mark's Basilica. He beat them impressively, and um, that's that's rock-solid Group 1 form. Stepping up a furlong didn't look like stopping last time, and I thought that certainly suit. And he's interesting, but he still has to progress uh, to battleground and master of the seas level. Yeah, that's a fair. Thing. I love battleground. Yeah, I, I've got a big soft spot for him. I think he's a he's a real brute of an animal. Uh, I couldn't have been more impressed by what he did at Glorious Goodwood. I think 
he has a slight edge over Master of the Seas, who, let's be fair, has done absolutely nothing wrong and has been flawless in his two starts so far this season, winning the superlative last time out of race, which has worked out quite well, obviously. Great to see. Great to see uh, Charlie Apple be bringing him over. Great to see a proper Coolmore versus Godolphin battle. We've seen that in recent years, though, haven't we, with Quarto and Pinatubic? Oh, yeah. But it is it's great to see a proper, you know, where there's so little to split them in the market. Yeah. This is, this is a, a battle. And it would be daft to, to get rid of Lucky Vega, either, given that, really, the Phoenix, prior to this race, was probably the best group of two-year-olds assembled. Yeah, definitely. So far this season, we've obviously, you know, Steel Bull won the Molecum Lords of Indices, won the Railway. You know, somehow, the uh, Ventura Tormenta won the Papan. Somehow they let a maiden go off favourite. Uh, <laughs> he's back for another crack at Mark's Basilica. Uh, and Lucky Vega did look like he was stopping over six. So he's well worth his place here. I mean, he's only a quarter of a point bigger in the market than Battleground and Master of the Seas. And having them as general co-favourites of three is entirely fair. And they are... And they are uh, all... Look, I can make a case for all three. I can see them all winning. I slightly prefer Battleground. I just, at this stage, think he's the best of them. Anything further down the betting, mate? Um, not not really for me. Max Winnie, um, big tad like last time, showed a good attitude over seven. Um, although he was beat by military style, Van Gogh, Massen and uh, Charterhouse prior to that. He's shown a fair fair standard um, and Jim Bulger has also been running fairly well. But other than that, not, not really for me. Fair enough, pal. Moving on then to the final group one of the weekend in Ireland. It is the Irish St. Ledger. Bet best prices, 11 to 4 Twilight Payment, 100 to 30 for Jerry Prince, 4 to 1 Sovereign, 7 to 1 Master of Reality, 8 Micromanaged, 10 last year winners, Search for a Song, 16 to 1. Far then you can get 100 to 1 about Ra Atoll for, for the inform Luke Coma. <laughs> now showing. <laughs> A level stakes profit this year of plus 240. Uh, Jim, where do you look at with this fascinating race? Twilight Payment isn't a superstar, but it's consistent. Fajera Prince stepping straight into Group 1 company. Interesting. I think Fajera Prince is probably where I'm going to land here. Um, I think this is disappointing renewal of the St. Ledger. There's a lot of them have gone, to, a few of them have gone to the Doncaster Cup. There's a. Mile and six division other than Stradivarius. Well, two the cup division other than Stradivarius. Uh, There's not though, really, is it? Because if anything's half good, they go to Australia. Yeah, um, which is understandable because you, you, all of these you could probably see running in Australia, give or take a few. Um, but I think for Jera Prince, is it that, that win in the E ball was impressive. I know this is a big step up, but I don't. I think this is. I know Group 1s aren't weak, but I think this is one of the weaker Group 1s, and I think he should progress uh, to this level. I think he's going to be better than Twilight Payment. No offence to him, Uh, but obviously in the form of his life at the age of seven, winning the Curra Cup uh, impressively last time. They all beat each other in the same sorts of races every week, uh, and 
Uh, no different here. Galileo Chrome's going for the St. Ledger. He goes by days in the Doncaster Cup. Nayef Road, I'm not entirely sure if they're actually going here. Um, and Pondus has been disappointing this season. And I, I, I just think Fajira Prince is probably where I'll land, even though it is a big step up in class. It's not really, though. Well, oh, from, a handi- from a handicap to a group one. No, that, yeah, you're, you're right in saying that, but I think in, in terms of actual improvement for Jerry Prince will have to show is minimal. Oh, yeah, I don't think he'll have to improve that much because if he's running a handicap, um, he'd only have to find £3 to uh, get with. In fact, he'd only have to find £1 sorry, to get with Twilight Payment, wouldn't he? Yeah, Twilight Payment's last, last run is winning the Curra Cup was his career best. And he's, he's been a generally consistent sort of horse in the sort of staying group freeze and two in Ireland over the past few years and a second he's home to a new level this season he's the right favourite but he's a beatable one yeah unless what we saw at the Curra Cup was the announcement of a completely new horse a much improved decision and I am with you in that I think Fajera Prince is the one to be with here uh, just rapidly progressive it takes a good horse to win the Ebor, and to stretch the field out as well as he did. They came home quite well strung out. He was just, like we said on the preview, he was by far the most obvious winner of that race. And the obvious one was the obvious one, as it turned out. I'm I'm glad that they're having a tilt at this, because it makes it a much more interesting race, because I feel like I've seen Twilight Payment Sovereign, a master of reality, race against himself. (laughs) About 30 times this season. Uh, Sovereign was was done by Twilight Payment earlier in the season and by Master of Reality in the same race, I think. Uh, then beaten by a neighbour last time out in the King George when just used as a pacemaker. Uh, what a pointless exercise that was for everyone involved. Almost as pointless as what we saw at the weekend uh, from Enable. Uh Look, it's a hard race to get infused about. Micromanage is interesting. Not seeing her. Uh, that was her first start in a year. When she was third in the Irish Ledger trial here. Behind Delphi, a master of reality. Prior to that, she had looked very, very impressive. Uh, landing the odds in a handicap off a mark of 91 by 12 lengths. If she strips fitter for that, she's an interesting one for Willie Mullins. Although I'd, she was she was high up in the anti-post betting for the Triumph last year, and I had been told because I was doing a uh, I had to write an anti-post article for the Triumph that she was definitely going over hurdles, and it didn't materialise. I hope that we see a hurdle in this year, but eight to one to win a Group One, nah, not having it. This is Search for a Song's trip. I'd expect to see a better run from her because she's generally been racing on the sharp side this season. Uh, again, the race she won last season, though, was... What was it? A bit of a farce? Yeah, that's the only way to put it. But uh, both with Fajera Prince. Yeah, and be interested to see if Atzini comes over for the ride, which I'm sure he will. Yeah, uh I said, we have had to do this a little bit back to front. We don't have anything uh, for France at the minute. We can't find any prices or 
so we're going to not touch on that, unfortunately, even though it's a be really decent. Uh, what we will talk about is briefly the Friday. This is going to go out on Friday morning. So if you can fit this in, uh, we've got the Flying Children's Sacred 7-4, 6-1 Steel Bull and the Leah Jet, 13-2 Frenetic, 11-1 Mohawk King. 14s bar them, really, really good field of two-year-olds. Assemble, Jim, for this. Where are you going to land? Um, I'm not entirely sure. It's, it's probably a race I'm just going to watch and probably not have a bet in, uh, if I'm being honest. I mean, Sacred uh, has disappointed me last time, and, and, and I don't know what it was, but I just didn't think she wanted to get past, and I thought she had plenty of time to, and she never did, but the step that, down to five, I think, will be in her favour, even though she's got a strong mile uh, influence in her pedigree. Uh, Leah Jett, the return to five will help him as well. Um, he's been campaigned at six the last twice and he's been beaten. Uh, I, he looked all speed on his debut at Yarmouth and he did, he did at Ascot. Uh, and Steel Bull is another one who will uh, enjoy the return back to five. Obviously, he had problems last time at the Curry, smashed all his teeth, um, which obviously wasn't pleasant and hopefully he's stripped fitter for that. Frenetic. Um, being a model of consistency over five furlongs this season and having one second, uh, two runs over six, she's full of speed. She'll probably set the the speed out of, in front, but I feel like she's slightly exposed and, and there's some more could uh, get past her. Mohawk King, I think we saw in the gym crack last time behind Minzal that uh, he had plenty of speed early on to get going. I think uh, drop another one that will drop back to five furlongs, and I think that might be more up his street. Having seen it, even though he did win over six on his, on his debut at Ascot, I think that, and you better believe it, it's almost like a recovery mission. This for horses that have been campaigned over six. Yeah, he's a horse I've got a lot of time for after winning the national stakes. Uh, it, it's ground sort of went against him. It was it, it was said to be good uh, in the gym crack, but I don't think it was. I thought it was a lot softer than that. Uh, and he's far too keen and, and dropped back in trip. I think that'll suit him. And Ventura Tormenta was disappointing in the Phoenix, but had prior to that had won the Papan uh, Group 2 for Richard Hannon uh, and ran a good fifth behind Master of the Season, the Superlative. I think it's a really, really interesting race. There's a lot of angles that I could see being made. I won't be pushing anything for a selection, but I'd probably edge with Mohawk King at a price. Um, because that that debut was a pretty good performance, and uh, the step back to five, it, it will he will be suited by that a lot more. Fair enough, Paul. Just about frenetic for me. I'm really looking forward to this race, so mate. Lots of strong form shown by lots of the runners. Steel Bull on a little bit of a recovery mission. The Leah Jet and Sacred above. Really, really solid. Frenetic is a fun, fun, fun horse. And then Mohawk King, who like who you've made a brilliant case for yourself. Uh, there's also the Doncaster Cup, 15-8 Spanish Mission, 11-4 Revolver, 11-2 Eagles by Day, 7-1 Red Vernon. And we were both just chatting about this before we started recording, Jim. We both don't want Revolver to win. <laughs> We'd be absolutely outraged, wouldn't we, if the winner of the Doncaster Cup started out in a in a handicap over a mile and four at Pontefract of a rating of 57. It'd normally be a normal story, Jim. But it'd normally be a lovely, lovely story. But when... Look, if anyone's listened to John Dance talk about his frustrations with the racing game, uh, 
if this was to be epitomised by one animal, uh, it would be Revolver <laughs> this season. Sir Mark Prescott uh, doing his usual interesting campaign. Uh, I mean, he's a slave power, so I guess it's not completely daft that he started out over seven. But he's been, he's, you know, he's rapidly improved all season, just as well, you know, improved as much as he's been well supported in the market all season. Now up to a rating of 98 after six consecutive wins. Yeah, the racing post rating of 24 on his second start. God, that makes me feel sick. Horses are allowed to get better, Jim, just not this one. Not the way this one is. Uh, it's a little bit of a race that fails to get you enthusiastic, to be fair. And I'm glad Revolver's in it, because it gives us a little bit of an angle and a talking point. Uh, I mean, we call the Lonsdale Cup like the Europa League of the Stayers. This is... This is the Europa League, the second division, you know, they've now introduced. It's like yeah, that. They're having a new one, aren't they? I was going to say the Intertoto Cup. <laughs> or the Audi Cup. A real throwback. Uh, Spanish Mission should win. Um, I don't even think he should. Um, if I, if I was to push, I'd probably be Red Verdon. I'm a massive Red Verdon fan. Uh, I know he's got to carry this penalty, but he does well around Doncaster. Uh, Frankie gets on well with him, I think. Maybe two miles might be stretching him. His best is probably a mile and six. But I, I feel like Red Verdon is he, he's more is the most consistent out of this field. That's only it for me. It was just the penalty. Yeah, the penalty. I understand. Because his win in France is the best run from any of these this season. Uh, when he beat Carl to the bar in the pre Maurice Dent. Niel if it's ne- if that's pronounced Niel there are two letters there that are completely pointless uh, but call to the bar obviously won the pre-gladiator at the weekend Holdassi Green is well has been for a while one of the more consistent French stayers that's the best form in this just not sure whether he's got that superior superiority to concede the weight here uh, to Spanish Mission and Eagles by day uh, there's not much more I really can be asked saying about the Doncaster Cup, mate, because it's a race I don't really care about. Yeah, I'm saying it's a mere race. Yeah. Uh, Lewis Tomlinson's Jumpers Corner. Longhouse Sale beat the Butcher said midweek. They've both been making hay in good novice chases early in the season. And Getaway Trump makes his return to chasing at Fontwell on Saturday one-time Arkle favourite didn't go to plan for him first time around. I mean, he'll have to do a good job if he's still a novice again this year. This looks really winnable, and hopefully uh, chasing take two goes a little bit better for getaway Trump this year. He should win that in a free-runner race. I mean, if he doesn't, Jesus Christ. Uh, There'll be a lot of angry owners. <laughs> Ah, bless him. Bless him. Uh, Watson, after our nap time, mate. It's almost midnight. Christ. Uh, We'll go nap. We'll be Galileo Chrome in the St. Ledger. 
Next best is Chindi in the Champagne. And we'll go to Leopardstown for the reserve. On the Sunday, we'll chuck that around in there. Fair enough, mate. Because I gave a 6-1 to one winner and a 14-1 to one winner on the show last week, as well as the Nat Fancy Man went in at admittedly 5-4. to four. Uh, But because I gave a couple of big prize winners last week, can I nap gay off? Yeah, go on. Uh, because it's late. And to be fair, 11, uh, 8 to 11. Decent price. It's a good price. It's a good price. Uh, my next best mate is going to be English King. Oh. Really like him at the prices. If he runs in the Donny Cup, I will back him. Sorry, not the Donny Cup. Jesus Christ. <laughs> In the Grand Prix. Oh, no, in the, in the Ledger. Right. Uh, big Fat Mogul, he's meant to be running in the Grand Prix. Uh, and so is Serpentine, that'll be interesting. Uh, my reserve. I'm going to go to Chester, mate, in the Stand Cup. Listed race. Alinac. Oh. To I, was gonna, Mar- I was going to think you were going to say Mirando. To beat Mirando. Uh, Alinat got the better of him in the Jeffrey Freer. And I just think... I know Mirando's the Norman States winner in the press. I was at Chester that day, and Jesus Christ, it was grim. Uh, I'm just not quite sure on ground that... Unless it absolutely sails it down. How much a sort of the speed test Chester provides would suit Miranda. I think Ali a quicker horse. Mm. And I, I I would be with him uh, as my reserve pick. Uh, I mean, I've put an odds on favourite up for my nap, so it's a bit of give and take, in it? Uh, thanks to everyone for listening to Turf Talk this week. Uh, We'll be back at some point soon. (laughs) See you later.